Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined as always by Matt Chamberlain. How are you doing, Matt? I'm feeling good. Been a lot of a lot of playoff basketball. Man, so much playoff basketball. It's like this is the perfect like round because it's every night. Like right, yep. like it's split up. Like once we get to the finals and Western Conference finals, it, there seems to be like days off. Gaps. I mean, yesterday being Saturday, there's a little gap because of the Kentucky Derby, which no one cares about. But <laughs> here, that's fine. We only got one game, but yeah, you're right. Games every night. It's feeling good. There was, uh, you know, uh, the controversial Kentucky Kentucky Derby. Yes, I care a lot <laughs> about horses. Running in a circle. Uh, the officials get criticized in every sport. Who knew? It's true. Who knew? Uh, before we get into the playoffs, and or into the playoffs, <laughs> before we get into the rest of the podcast. I think that's what the Raptors are thinking. <laughs> <laughs> before we get into the playoffs. Uh, follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher if you haven't already. Leave us a rating on whatever platform of your choice is. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, if you missed out on episode 26, we talked about Doc Rivers' head coaching head coach extension that he got uh, last week. Lakers and Suns searching for coaches, which we'll hit on in the news this week, because why not? That's that's the fun part. Uh, Luke Walton's investigation. Um, we talked more about that last week, so if you missed out on that, go check out episode 26. Uh, and then Matt Sloth. Uh, thought of the week was Utah's offseason question, big questions. And then uh, my thought of the week was uh, last playoff runs. So uh, it was a fun thought of the week last week. So to go check that out. Uh, we also talked about uh, round one and two and our expectations for round two. Matt's game of the week was Bucks Celtics. It was game two. Matt predicted that Boston would win 124 to Milwaukee's 119. Uh, the Bucks that did not happen. <laughs> almost scored uh, uh, 119 points. They scored 123, and the Celtics only scored 102. They lost the basketball game. They, they, did, not, <laughs> they did not win that game. Uh, my game of the week was uh, the Celtics, or excuse me, Blazers Nuggets game three. And, man, was that a game of the week? Or was that that game? was fantastic. Four overtime thriller. The Blazers ended up winning 140 to the Nuggets 137. Uh, I predicted the Blazers wouldn't. Would would win one fifteen to the Nuggets one oh eight, which you weren't too far off if it was if it was ended. regulation. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, did not happen that way. Matt, what happened in news this week? So being the playoffs, um, a lot of teams out of it. Not a ton of news, but but some important points. So the first one, Monty Williams has agreed to become the new head coach of the Phoenix Suns. It was mentioned last week in our news that the Suns fired their coach, Igor Kokoshkov, because they were afraid the, the Lakers were getting too much of a jump on Monty Williams. And James Jones really likes Monty Williams, made the hard push, and, and apparently Williams reciprocated that love and has agreed to become the new head coach there. Pascal Siakam has a calf injury, making him questionable moving forward in the playoffs. I think he's listed now as doubtful for game four, which you'll you'll get to see that before you hear this podcast podcast but that's huge uh, if Siakam can't play I don't know if the Raptors stand a chance the rest of the series I mean Kawhi's gonna have to go even more superhuman than he already has been and that's that's a tough task because he's going for what feels like 30 plus every single night playing great defense without Siakam I don't know where that leaves him uh, 
Kyle Lowry or Mark Gasol actually have to do something have in this to play basketball, <laughs> like you're paid to do. Uh, Fifty million dollars paying those guys. Uh, in other news, Steph has a dislocated middle finger on his left hand. A lot of people wonder if that's what caused his game three, let's just say unflattering performance. Um, but it, it wasn't good. And I don't know if it was really affecting him or not, but it, it something was off. Yeah. I mean, the missed dunk kind of like summed up his night. Pretty much. Yeah. He, and he had a blown layup that wasn't like, didn't go as viral. Uh, but it was a pretty wide open look yeah. and he blew it. I don't know. Like, I, I feel bad for Steph because like he's been traditionally pretty good in the finals up and yeah. or in the playoffs up until the finals, excuse me. But like, man, rough game. It was, it was rough. Um, and in a couple other last things, coaching wise, Greg Popovich, um, he's getting a three year extension with the Spurs. We imagine that's going to be his last three with them, but you never know with Greg Popovich. He might coach for another 20. <laughs> he just might say, like, yeah, I'm going to get us another five more championships in the next 20 years. He, I'm not going to put it past him. He got the Spurs team to the playoffs, so you deserve an extension for that. And the last piece uh, of news, Sam Presti anticipates that Billy Donovan will return for next season. Not the biggest vote of confidence I've, I've ever heard. Yeah, but... my, my manager said, I anticipate you coming back next week. I would feel a little more nervous little, about my job. A little worried. Security. So they've already picked up his option for next year. Um, they picked it back up, I think, in November. So, I mean, you've committed to him for next year, but we've seen coaches get fired after a season, let alone... A year left, <laughs> let alone a year left on the, on the contract. So, as of right now, Billy Donovan looks to be the head coach. And I'm also partially wondering if the Thunder looked around and be like, I don't see anyone better. So, they're like, let's, let's roll yeah. with it. I'm not sure, but right now, he's staying. And that's the news for this week. Not not too much going on. It's a little disappointing. There's just actual basketball. Actual basketball going on. Who knew that was an actual thing? Uh, Matt, what's your thought of the week? So I actually want to talk a little bit more about one of those pieces of news, and it's the the Monty Williams news. I didn't expect in the middle of the class to be talking about the Suns and the Lakers, but <laughs> here we are. Um, so this is my big question, and it's did Monty Williams pick the Suns over the Lakers? Because that'd be wild. <laughs> or did the Lakers pick Ty Lue over Monty Williams, and so Williams just ended up going to Phoenix? That one that's more believable, but I want to believe the first one really bad. I'm with you, because that would be amazing. <laughs> like To say, we're going to go with the Suns, who have the most inconsistent ownership of anyone west of the Mississippi. <laughs> and... Because I, I got to give the Knicks some some credit <laughs> over there. But it's like, you did you pick them? Did you pick that situation? Did you pick Devin Booker and this young core over LeBron and whatever they're going to be able to put around LeBron as, like, your transition back into, like, I don't know, the limelight of coaching? Because we know, being in Oklahoma, what all Monty Williams has gone through yep. the last several years was just, like, is he treating this like a stepping stone? Essentially, like, I'm going to take this son's job. I'm going to get this team into the 30 win. Maybe even kind of like the Kings gets at maybe a 40 mark over the next few years. And then get a promotion to whatever team is looking to make a playoff push seriously. Or in the playoffs is looking to take that next step. Or is it just, 
I think the Lakers are toxic. I didn't want that, but I wanted a head coaching job. So, Phoenix. (laughs) So, Phoenix. Uh, I mean, like, the tough thing here is, like, you hear coaches talk about this all the time. It's like, there's only 30 of these jobs. There aren't a lot. There's only 30 of these jobs available. But, like, honestly, the president of basketball operations, LeBron James, for the Lakers, like, is tough to deal with. Yeah. Like, you have to deal with that. Everything is a storyline. Like, everything is is a storyline around LeBron. Well, like, the Phoenix, like, with the Phoenix job, you don't have to... There's no pressure. You already suck. Yeah. And, like, suck really bad. <laughs> like, anything. Like, it's like the Kings. They win 40, 40 games. It's like, oh, my God. They're amazing. Everyone was, like, rooting for the Kings. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, also, you can get Zion Williams. Like, yeah. there's a chance that you if can If you can get Zion, Zion Williamson, pair him with Devin Booker, and if you think DeAndre Ayton will continue to get better, too, which I think he will get better. How? I'm not sure, necessarily, <laughs> because I don't know what you want him to get better at. It depends on your perspective as a coach. But the point being, like, there's stuff there to grow and to groom, and you have money to, like, work with, whereas the Lakers, they have LeBron. They have maybe some money to spend, and they have proven they have so much trouble handling young players. It makes sense if you're looking to develop a program to go to Phoenix. Yeah. But if you were chasing championships from day one, it would make more sense to go to L.A. But you're right. The pressure there. I I know that's tough. Like, that's what's essentially got Luke Walton out. Yeah. It was just too much for him to handle. He did a decent job considering everything, but yeah. it was just too much. Yeah, and there's so much going on in that Lakers locker room. Like, you have to deal with LeVar Ball probably behind the scenes, yeah. which would not be fun. Um, I don't know. If if I handed if I handed you two offer sheets, one of them was Lakers, one of them Suns, which ones would you pick? Which one would you pick? Um, so I'm distancing myself as a Boston fan for a moment, because okay. otherwise there's, there's it's a very easy choice. Um... I would have had to know, like, a very thorough plan for the Lakers. Yeah. I think I would lean that way, honestly, because you don't get a job to chase 30 wins. But at the same time, if I was qualified enough and I feel like the Lakers had a good offseason, like, that that was realistic yeah. plan, I would probably go with them. But if they're like, our plan is to get Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and then run it back otherwise, I'd be like, no. <laughs> no way. Because you clearly still don't know what you're doing if that's your offseason plan. So... If it were me, I'd pick the Suns job. Just purely based on the history. Like, honestly, statistically, I get fired after one year. And I just make sure I have guaranteed money. I need the rest. <laughs> That's a good point. And so I'm just taking a va- vacation wherever I want on a beach after one year. After winning yeah. 40 games and ownership being upset with me. Exactly. That's not that's not a bad perspective. <laughs> I don't know. I I think the Lakers' good job is appealing, but I think just for purely comical reasons, I would take the Suns' job. Which makes it entirely comical if Monty Williams did take the Suns <laughs> exactly. over the Lakers in real life. Like, yeah. there's a real-life opportunity here. That would be amazing. So, my thought of the week um, is pretty simple. We don't have to talk about it a lot because we'll talk about it later. But turns out the Raptors' playoff rows, woes aren't all on DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, it's like you need more than just a dude to like 
play well to succeed. Kyle because Lowry has just stunk. He has. I mean, it's been a two-man show in Toronto. It's been Kawhi and Pascal. Now, if we even traded Kawhi and DeMar, I still think they'd be in the second round. But, I mean, you when you have two guys, that's just not enough anymore. <laughs> it's not enough to have two guys. Whether it's DeMar and Kyle last year or Kawhi and Pascal this year, two guys isn't enough. So maybe some of this blame falls on Kyle Lowry. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that's the next person that you have to look at. Like, you're paying him all this money to shoot... 40% from the field and 25% from three in the playoffs. That's not it. <laughs> I mean, that just doesn't cut it. And, like, we've known for a while that in this league you need three to win. Like, that's just been the yeah. case since LeBron. I mean, even before LeBron, the Boston big three. Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, it's just, like, staggering to me. Like, and this isn't Kyle Lowry's, like, first rodeo of being bad in the playoffs. It's like he can never match the role he's expected to fill in the playoffs. And if he was expected to be in the number two last year, he just never, and in previous years too, he just never could quite fulfill the role of the number two guy. This year, he can just, he just can't quite fulfill the role of the number three guy. And like, it's crazy because like one of his worst playoff performances in 14-15, or even in 15-16 when the Raptors made it to the conference finals, <laughs> his shooting has gotten worse and somehow better like in between those two years like it went up four percent from 14 15 from three and then went down five percent from that awful what everyone thought was awful and it's like i don't know I, and like marcus all like you go trade for marcus all when you're looking at the raptors and he just like has gotten you know by joel and beat yeah. outside of game one and it's one of those you wonder, like, Marcus Gasol essentially won you a game by taking out Joel Embiid. Is it really reasonable to expect that much more from Marcus Gasol, though? He won. He basically won you a game by taking out the other team's best player, and they had no options. If I got a, a playoff win from Marcus Gasol, I got to be pretty happy. That's a good point. point. That's a really good point, because he is older now. It's not yeah. like he, the Grizzlies days where he could dominate. No, game. and that's Take over it's the just ball. not him. But someone needs to be the third guy. Yep. I think that's just unreasonable for Mark Gasol to be that guy. It's it's Kyle Lowry. If Kawhi's playing well, but now P Pascal Siakam's hurt, like we mentioned up in the news, man, this is this, there's a lot of pressure that's going to fall on Kyle Lowry now. And I know he's Toronto's guy. He's been there for a long time now. But you got to perform. On what level is it just like the loyalty isn't quite there anymore? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, their season's on the line today. Like after, I mean, this, yeah. I, their season might be over by this time the podcast yeah. comes out. Uh, but it's on the line today and someone has to show up other than Kawhi. And you can't bank on Kawhi showing up every game, like putting up like 35 points and eight rebounds. Yeah, I'd say what happens when Kawhi goes for 25, 10, and 4? That's a really good game. But what happens whenever that happens? You're going to lose by 20. Yeah. I mean, I also here need to give credit to Philly because they've been really good. They have. They have. And, and you want to just get into the playoffs? How they, yeah, they're going let's so just far. get into it. We'll start with that one since we're already here. My headline for it was Toronto's faltering against <laughs> Philly. Yes, Philly deserves a ton of credit, though. Yeah. Like, they really do. Joel Embiid's figured it out. 
how to like work around Marcus all, but also this team's figured it out. Yeah. It seems that Jimmy and Joel is pretty equivalent to Kawhi and Pascal. Like those two for both teams have kind of balanced each other out, but the rest of the Philadelphia 76ers are outplaying the rest of the Raptors. And that's just it. That's yeah. it. Both like the two top guys for both give or take a plus minus of five, depending on the game, depending on which team, but otherwise, it's just Philly right now. It's the Ben Simmons and, and J.J. Reddicks of the world that are winning this thing. Ben Simmons hasn't been good. But, <laughs> but like those guys are just outplaying Toronto's. Yeah. You have to feel Toronto's missing OG Anobi at a point like this. Um, a wing defender who, who can knock down some threes. Yeah, exactly. Like, just like, like Danny Green's kind of, I don't know. He's not playing his best basketball right now. It yeah. just seems like he's getting decent looks, and it's just not going in. I don't know if it's a slump or what, but this is the worst time to be having a slump like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and, like, it's just weird things, but, like, the Tobias Harris, like, trade, I think this is where it really shows up. Yes. Is, like, your third or fourth best dude is significantly better than mm-hmm. whoever Toronto's running out as yeah. third or fourth best. Um, that might not be the case against, like, Boston or... Milwaukee, but in this series particular, in particular, you have to feel really good about your chances when it comes to Tobias Harris versus whoever you're throwing at him. I think that Tobias Harris deal, like at the time, we liked it, but we were like, is it just too late in the year to get all these guys integrated in together? And in some ways, that did show up. Yeah, like, that really has. But in a lot of others, he's he's been the right guy at the right moments for them yeah it's not that he's had to take over because that's not his role on this team it's just whenever we do need you to hit that corner three or we need to sit joel for a couple extra minutes can you handle running the offense he has and sometimes it's just those four minutes of gameplay that really just swing it in philly's direction and and Toronto's had no answer. Like we've said, they just haven't had anyone else being able to step up and play and provide really anything for them. They they keep it close throughout most of the game, I would say. Yeah. But it just seems like every every fourth quarter, it's all Philly. Yeah, that has to be, like, the most concerning thing is, like, Kawhi, when he's sitting, it's, like, some ridiculous, like, Toronto just flips. Like, it's a negative... Yeah. 20 or whatever it is. It feels like it, yeah. And, like, they're at plus 33 or something like that with him on the floor, which is stupid as well mm-hmm. uh, in this series. And, it, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, if you look at the matchups, like, everything favors t- Philly right now. Like, everything. Like, whoever you're throwing at Tobias Harris is just, like, not going to be able to defend him. But, like, even then, like, getting that trade, like, it just gives you so much more spacing. Like, yeah. And, like, it gives space for Joel Embiid's guy to come. Like, if they're going to send a second dude, like, they have to come a long way compared to, like, coming off Ben Simmons or even going back to like Robert Covington or Dario Saric mm-hmm. when they started the year with those guys. So props to Philly, props to Elton Brand for putting a team together that looks like it could make a legitimate finals run. With all that being said, though, we said this last year in the first round for yeah. Philly, and then it just like in the second round. It came apart. It came apart. So it's the same... Same, Same story, just you, you got around farther yeah. this year. I don't know. 
I really want to hit on that Tobias Harris point real quick. I'm like, who is guarding him? And I'm like looking up and down. But for a moment, I'm assuming Siakam's still a part of this yep. Toronto team. So like Gasol guards Joel, and then Kawhi takes Jimmy. Pascal takes Ben Simmons. And then Danny Green runs around with J.J. Redick because they kind of know how each other operate. Yeah. And then, so that would leave Kyle Lowry guarding Tobias Harris. Or if you have Kyle Lowry running around, then Danny Green's guarding Tobias Harris. And you I, feel really good about I, that. That's why you make the move. Yeah. That's it right there. That's the exact reason you make the move. And an El Brain, a rookie GM, sitting on a an, an office chair, not quite a couch, <laughs> a few months ago, but... Yeah, I'm just saying, like, no, you go for it. Yeah. This is it. You go for it. And I I just still don't feel great about him, but I feel as good as I ever have about Philly this year. And, like, it's not even, like... And they got game four at home, too. Yeah. Which, that that's huge to me. You got game four at home. It's huge. I also think, like, the, like, solution, like, you look at the bench, like, that's where Toronto, like, you would want, like, an OG and an OB maybe to mm-hmm. be able to get a little bit more length, get a yeah. little bit more size against a Tobias Harris. But you look at their bench, like, who are you? Th- who else are you throwing I mean, at Tobias? Serge Ibaka? You can't do that. That's not going to work. Gonna get ripped. I mean, you would like to think you could bring in... Fred Van Fleet, and then he could be the one running around with JJ, JJ Redick, Redick, and then Danny Green could slide over, and you still feel better. I would say about how all those matchups were, but I don't, I don't know. You're right; he would be like the perfect defender in that case. But Norman Powell, I don't trust him to play defense consistently. Serge Ibaka, yeah, you can't put him on Tobias Harris. That's going to get worked every single time. <laughs> Fred Van Fleet, I love him, but he's small. Yeah. He just is. And there's no way around that. Same with Kyle Lowry, just is. There, that way, Tobias Harris, he's either going to eat it up in the post or he's going to be able to catch and shoot. And the, the hand Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Fleet's going to throw up just isn't really going to be effective. It's not going to matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's such a matchup nightmare because Philly is so big. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're so freaking big. If, and If they're big and they're shooting well... Then, then that's it. That's the question though with Philly is: is the shooting going to keep up? Yeah. Like, can they consistently keep hitting de- hitting threes at the rate they have been? Like, even in games they 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 don't play particularly well, or it just seems like they hit the right shots at the right moment. In yep. game three, whenever Philly was playing really well and had a good fourth quarter, they shot 43.5% from three. If Philly's hitting 10 threes in a game at that clip, that that's it. It's ball game. Yeah. And then also shooting 87% from the free throw line. There's nothing Toronto can do about that besides just hit more of your own shots, force Philly into clutch situations, and hope that your clutch guys are better than their clutch guys. Yeah. At this point, that's how I'm feeling. Yeah, I mean, Toronto is eighth right now in shooting threes in the postseason at, like, 34%. So, like, they're half, like... But if you want to be an elite team winning a championship... In today's NBA, I don't think you can be at the half, middle yeah. or bottom half of the playoff standings in terms of three-point percentage. Game three was especially bad. I know that. Shooting seven for 27. <laughs> but any of you that like to think, like, oh, that won't happen again, I, I'm not. But but who's going to make the shots? Yeah. Kawhi, Kawhi made half of his. Danny Green made half of his. Kyle Lowry went 0 for 4. Pascal went 0 for 3. Fred Van Fleet went 0 for 5. 
So yeah, some offers, but okay, maybe all those guys hit one or a two. Yeah, two more. Is that really gonna change the game? Maybe if you do it early enough and you force Philly into tough spots, but yeah. I don't know. This is one of like the most intriguing series to me because like on some level, I don't trust Toronto, but I don't trust Philly either. <laughs> I don't trust either of them. I don't know if this will go six or seven just because neither team can finish a series well or if Philly's finally going to take that step and be like, no, we got this now. Just kind of take over. Mm-hmm. And now we all, I, I think we say this and then like two games down the road here, if Toronto were to win both of the next games and be up 3-2, I think our questions would all of a sudden become, where the heck's Ben Simmons? Where, like, where are He's these... He's getting away with it right now. Yeah. And, and I think that's like an issue. Um, honestly, like, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. It's a matter of perspective. And like I've kept saying, winning fixes so it much. Does. And like, I don't know. Like I said, the Raptors could win the next couple and everything could be A-OK for them. It's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough. You want to talk about the next series that you have uh, listed here on our notes? So the Golden State one. Golden mm. State Houston. It's the one everyone was looking forward to. And rightfully so. Everyone feels like Houston's like the only team that can knock off Golden State. Otherwise, they're just walking to a championship again. And Houston has not looked great by any stretch of the imagination. This series sucks. I'm just going to say it. And even game three, I would say that was a gift to Houston. They gave them one. Oh, absolutely. Like, Houston was up 13. And yeah. the Warriors storm. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, KD stormed back and <coughs> got him up by, like, two late in the game. And, and they then, like, they didn't give him the ball again. Threw the game away. It was it was incredible. I, I just kept sitting there watching. I just give the ball to KD. Just give the ball to Kevin. Just give it to him. And maybe on some of that deserves credit to Houston. P.J. Tucker, especially. P.J. Tucker had an incredible game. Yep. I, don't, I don't care what his stat line says. He had an incredible game. He made Kevin's life hard, but he still went for 46. <laughs> like, And that's just like what was going on. And Steph, we talked about the, the finger injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on his offhand. And it, whatever, something was clearly affecting him. I don't know if it's mentally or if it's physically. But something was up because he couldn't hit anything the other day. You kind of wonder, like, I've wondered this before, is, like, what is best for Kevin's KD statistically? Is that the best for the Warriors as a collective? Like, is it best for Clay and Steph for him to be going for 46, or is it better for Kevin to go for, like, 27 and 7 and 7? And then oh, I'm the sure re- they would just love for each of them to score 30 each, and then the role players chip in another 30, and they play good defense. I'm sure that'd be the dream. But to me, like, it didn't seem... It didn't feel ball hog mm, Kevin Durant yeah. the other day. What he, he took, was getting critiqued for last last yeah. year in this series. Like he took thirty one shots and then also went twelve for twelve from the free throw line. But I mean, if Clay Thompson wants more shots, shoot better than six for sixteen. Yeah, that's if, a good if point. If Steph wants more shots, shoot better than seven for twenty three. Like there you go. Attack the basket a little more. Don't combine those two guys to shoot three for five from the free throw line. Yeah, be better than that. How how about that? If you, if you want more shots, because it felt like Kevin Durant was the only consistent source of offense the other day. Steph wasn't. Clay wasn't. I felt better about Draymond giving him offense. Draymond going for six for ten, one of two from three, and nineteen points. 
10 rebounds and uh, 11 rebounds and 10 assists. Draymond had a fantastic game. Like, that's fantastic. Like, I don't know if Draymond can play any better than that. And they still lost. And they still lost. And it's one of those, I, I felt good about Draymond, about Dan, or not Dan, Danny Green. Uh, Draymond <laughs> Green, Andre Iguodala. I feel like they got enough from their bench. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't great, but it was enough minutes here and there to kind of get them through. Eric Gordon going for 30 points. He was red hot. He went for 20 in the first half. It's just like, if Steph can just hit a couple shots, if Clay can just hit, I don't know, another one wide open jumper, which he had the opportunity he to had, at the end of the game. Yeah. Those those are it. That's it. This game's not even in overtime, yeah. if, if that's the case. But it, it got there, and then it just seemed like time after time after time, it was Golden State was getting a decent look. Yeah. She wasn't going in. And maybe that's the the ultimate downfall of being a jump shooting team is if the shots aren't falling, what are your guys doing? I mean, Chuck keep, uh, you know, Chuck kept saying that before the Golden State jump shooting teams can't win championships. That was his, you know, line. I mean, they've, for they've the won long- a few, but... <laughs> that line for the longest time. And that's just not the case, but, like, you're right. Like, what... I mean, the same issue is with Houston. Like, when your outside shots aren't falling, what's your, like, next thing that yeah. you could do that's just, like, an easy bucket for you to get you back into rhythm? And I felt like early on in that game three specifically, like, Houston was doing a pretty good job of getting Clint Capella involved, like, finding him on good, like, rolls or lobs to the basket. And he finished some really tough shots. But... They eventually went away from it. He only ended up t- having nine shot attempts for the game, Clint Capella. And it felt like he had, I mean, I don't know this. I'm, this is kind of my head. It felt like he had like five or six in just the first like quarter and a half. Yeah. And so they just went away from him in, in that offense. And that's something I feel like Houston could have done better at is towards the end of the game is you just stop running pick and roll. Yeah. You, you just let Harden ISO for the last five game minutes and then also overtime. You won the game. But I don't think they earned the win, really. No, like, and that's the thing is, like, Golden State hasn't, doesn't really have an elite rim protector without Boogie. And, yeah. like, he's not even an elite rim protector. Yeah. Like, attack the freaking basket, like, with Clint Capella. Like, make Kevin Durant get into foul trouble. Like, make him sit yeah. for, like, a couple minutes when he should be playing. Yeah. Harden did, did okay about getting into the lane and hitting some, some floaters or finding those lobs. And on some of, like, that's okay. But I, I would feel pretty good if I'm going state about making James Harden take some floaters over a rotating Draymond Green yep. than I would having him do his, his step back. Yeah. At, at this point in time. And knowing, like... He, and that's what they did. They forced him to, to attack the basket more. And you were right there. You were in the game. Yeah. Steph Curry, nine, 99 times out of 100, is making better plays than what he did in the fourth quarter in overtime. Absolutely. So, Golden State, you're not panicked at all. Houston, I still, I'm still not feeling good. I don't think Golden State would be panicked again. They'll say uh, they said they weren't panicked down three two last year. I don't think they would be panicked again this year down three two because they just have better players. Like ultimately, yeah. like, like we're talking about matchups. Like Kevin Durant is better, maybe the best player on the face of the planet right now. So that gets into a whole other thing. I don't think we have time for this. <laughs> but he he just gets whatever he wants. Just 
at will. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do to really take him out of the game. You can make his life hard. You can make anyone's life hard. But you can't take him out of the game. Steph Curry, in most ways, you can't take him out of a game either. But if he's pretty reliant on the jump shot and, and he can't get past you, then you've, you've, for all intents and purposes, taken him out of the game. Yeah. In, in, in air quotes. You're right. Kevin Durant's the best player on the floor, though. And I think it showed for most of the night. And he he was matching Harden, or Harden was matching KD, however you want to yeah. look at it. And that's why, like, if I'm Golden State, I still, I'm still feeling pretty good about a five-game series. It's, yeah. You win game... You win four, and then you got the game five in Oracle. Which, they've been bad at Oracle, but, like, they could close it out. I don't know. Easily. You get a closeout game against Houston, the team everyone says, like, this is a team that's going to beat you. Yeah. I, I feel like you get a different Golden State in that moment because you've seen different Golden State throughout the year in, in moments. I think that could be it. Yeah. Remind I think, everyone. I think this is like... I feel like we're about to warm up for Clay, Steph, like 70-point like combined oh, yeah. Just night. launching bombs. And like there's not, not... like And like Houston could come up with a 27 miss threes. And that was yeah. the issue last year. And I don't know. It, it's just very easily like a... The ball could fall one way or another, yeah. like you said earlier, and things can go Golden State's way very easily in this series. Um, when does that series come back? Uh, I think Monday. Monday? Yeah, I think Monday and Wednesday are games four and five. So this series might be over before we record the next podcast, so yeah. that might be the last time we're talking about Houston this season. So uh, I, I hope it goes longer than that. I know my prediction was Golden State in five. I hope it goes longer than five, but at the same time, Golden State, now, they, they just they can dominate you in ways that I don't think you realize they can until like you're in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I... Uh, now that I have no team in the playoffs, I want seven ga- every series to go to seven games. Just seven great games every yeah. single time. Yeah, exactly. Um, now we'll move back east to Milwaukee, Boston. Matt, how Man. nervous are you? How many times have you had to change pants in this series? <laughs> That's a little much. But, <laughs> but man, Milwaukee's bounced back after that tough start in game one against Boston. They have. It's like Al Horford was the answer in game one. But Giannis has just continued to attack the basket in games two and three, and he's just, he can't be denied, or won't be denied, one or the other, I'm not sure at this point. It feels like he can't be denied. There's literally, like, watching, I haven't gotten to watch a ton of the series, but watching, like, a lot of just, like, clips of the series, like, Boston's playing good defense against Giannis. Like, they'll send, like, two or three guys at him. And it just doesn't matter. Like he's his arms are just like at the rim. Like that's the that's the thing is like his arms are just like I don't know Michael Jordan in Space Jam. They're just like that stretch. Feels like for sure. <laughs> and like Al Horford's in good position. Jalen Brown coming over with the help in good position. Yeah. It's just like you can't do anything. And for example, like in Game Three. Milwaukee won 123-116. Giannis had 32 and 13, had eight assists. But Miritich, he was fine. Middleton, he was fine. Lopez, he was okay. Bledsoe was bad. Billy <laughs> Sobo was whatever. Tony Snell, whatever. Pat Connaughton was good for Pat Connaughton standards. It was the fact that like, George Hill couldn't miss a shot. 
Yeah. And it was just like, what is going on right now? <laughs> what what year are we in? And oh, okay, Giannis is getting his, and George Hill's hitting some buckets for Boston. You got to feel pretty good about if you just if that was all I told you. Like, Giannis got his, and George Hill hit some shots. Boston, you'd have to think like, oh, they won. Yeah. They didn't. And that's really concerning. It's like you. You're executing a good game plan as much as you can be against Giannis and the Bucks, and you're still losing right now. Yeah, I'm. I'm extremely worried that if if we can't take Game Four back, that it's not coming back to Boston. Yeah, I mean, again, like it's season on the line in Game Four. There's so many of these. We've talked about Houston. We've talked about uh, Toronto, and we'll talk about Denver and Portland in a minute. But like. This is we're coming into a stretch of games here. Like these are the most important games you'll play this season, possibly. Like you're facing elimination. I think the biggest concern for Boston is like Gordon Hayward's back to shooting two of eight and having ten points in thirty three minutes. Like you just need him to do more than that. Yeah. And it's one of those if if Jalen Brown and, and Gordon Hayward, to me as a as a Celtics fan, are playing basically the same amount of minutes because right now that's that's essentially what's happening. Jalen Brown should not be taking more shots than Gordon Hayward. If Al Horford, Marcus Morris, Mook, and <laughs> Gordon Hayward are all playing 30 to 35 minutes a night, each of them should not each be taking eight shots a game. Like, that's way too low. I'm fine with Tatum taking 14 shots, but he went 0 for 5 from 3. Yeah. And that tells me he's getting whatever he wants on the inside, but... If, if you're not hitting that outside shot, which really the team did okay with in game three, they hit 40%. If he's not hitting that shot, though, then you, you need to start wondering, like, okay, who who do I need to look for? Can Tatum please run a pick and roll yeah. with Al Horford? Like, can we please just do that a little bit? Just throw in something different, making other guys having to play, and maybe in positions they're not used to playing in just a little bit more. And maybe that can ease some of the burden off Kyrie. I mean, he... His shot's been off the last couple games, but he's getting to the free throw line, which yep. is not something Kyrie does tons of. Like, but he went 11 for 12 from the free throw line. Like, he's getting there. Mm. Giannis got there a lot more. Yeah. And and I know there's a lot of criticism about that, but this is what happens whenever you have a guy who just attack the basket every single time and, like, foul me or, or I'm going to dunk it on you. Right. Like, there's just something to be said about that at the level Giannis can do it. And if we're not hitting jump shots, this is what's going to happen. This is it. This is all. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I... I also like, uh, I mean, Jalen Brown's been pretty good this offseason, or postseason, excuse me. Yeah. Um, but, like, I don't know. I, if Gordon Hayward's going to be playing 33 minutes, like, he just has to do more than 10 points. Like, he just, like, you can't have George Hill scoring 21 and Gordon Hayward scoring 10. Like, if it was, like, 18 to 21, that's, like, different. Or even, like, 15 to 18. Yeah. You feel, you feel like, so much better about that. Than, and that's the game. Yeah, like that's the point differential in the game, but I don't know. My my problems are much more with Boston overall defensively, and then Al Horford not being featured enough. I think Boston's at their best when Al Horford is featured more. Yeah, I mean, something like I think Milwaukee's switching more now in the series um, than they have over the course of the year. Yeah. Uh, So like. 
where how are you getting a mismatch? Like you can get a ma- mismatch for Al Horford and get a mismatch for Gord Hayward. Like you have to take advantage of that. And like to an extent, like I don't know if Boston is as much as I should be. Yeah, it's like give me Nick Miritich in the post against yeah. Al Horford. You're gonna get worked for four straight possessions, and Mike Boonholzer is gonna have this. Oh God, <laughs> face that he just so time out. Let's take yeah. a time out. <laughs> Let's do something else right now because this is not working. Boston will do that, and once they find that mismatch, they'll run it like three or four straight times and make you do something else, and and so be it. But it's like we haven't taken advantage of that. Yeah, it just. I don't know if that's a coaching thing, if that's a player's thing, if that's just, hey, this is a good shot, I'm going to take it, or a combination thereof, and that's probably more of it. But the adjustments Milwaukee's made have been good enough to, to take games two and three. And so Boston, now you, you got game four at home. This is it. This is your chance. Yeah. What do you? How do you feel going into the rest of the series? Um... Depends on how game four goes. Even if Boston wins, if Boston wins like this really ugly game that kind of like last night with Houston, it's like you can win, but it doesn't feel like you deserve to win. Yeah. If, if it's that type of a win for Boston, I mean, great. It's 2-2 and it's then a best of three series, but I wouldn't be feeling too much better than I am now. Now, if they go out and handle business and Gordon Hayward is running, he basically just running the second unit effectively. Al Horford's featured more. Kyrie's not just hawking it so much. And they win by 12. I'm feeling great. Yeah. It all depends on how they play. I don't care about just necessarily a box score. I want to know how you're playing. Yeah. I think the... I mean, like, Sterling Brown, when Boston dominated in game one, he started. He didn't even play. He's a DMP. <laughs> didn't even play. Um, which is pretty interesting. Entering Miritich into the starting lineup, like what? I almost feel like Boston has to have a counter to that. Like, why not start Gordon Hayward over Marcus Morris and just see how that goes? Just for the sake of playmaking, I would wonder. And then stagger guys. Yeah. I don't know. I would. I love the idea, but we haven't done it all season. Yeah. Because Gordon Hayward's essentially just accepted the ventral for this year. Part of me wonders, like, is this the time to mix that up? Yeah. I don't know, maybe. At the same time, Philly acquired Tobias Harris at the trade deadline and is just still integrating him. That's good Milwaukee a trade or acquired Nick Miritich at the deadline, still figuring out how to put him in. Do you essentially do you have the guys that would be like, not so cool, okay if I don't start today in the playoffs or not? Milwaukee seems to. Philly seems to. Does Boston? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. That's this, good. That was my criticism right before the playoffs started. That's a good point. I also don't like Terry Rozier only playing 14 minutes and scoring zero points. Play better. I mean, that's like a fair point. I don't know. Actually run run in offense. You're <laughs> the point guard coming off the bench. Like, actually take good shots. On some level, I, I agree. I don't like it either. But to to Brad Stevens, he's what is he supposed to do? Just leave yeah. him out there and keep essentially just like, I'm Terry. I'm scary Terry. <laughs> I dominated you last year. Let's do it again this year. Yeah. But he's not really doing anything effective out there either. That's a good point. I feel like you got to get more than three shots up too. I, I think more so. than, but I don't know. I, think I you mean, gotta I, get more than zero assists. Yeah, in my opinion, I think that's my bigger yeah. concern. Is he had none? Goose egg. Yeah, you can't be a point guard. Run. I know Boston's offense. A lot of people touch the ball, but you you're a point guard. You played 14, 15 minutes. Get an assist. Yeah. 
I also feel like this is where Boston kind of misses um, Marcus Smart and like just like the hustle plays. Yeah, who, who can swing a game for some reason other than jump shooting? Yeah. That's what this team does. Yeah. If, if they're not making jump shots, it's we need a defensive stop now. Right. And it's always been Al Horford and Marcus Smart. And Al Horford can't stop Giannis enough to, to give him that spark. Marcus Smart, maybe he could. Maybe he could just really make Eric Bledsoe or this George Hill crap wouldn't have happened. <laughs> like that, that's not happening if Marcus Smart's out there. Yeah. But with Terry out there or with Jalen Brown out there, no, I don't mean to crap on Jalen Brown. He, like you said, he's been playing well. It doesn't – like that moment doesn't happen. Yeah. Not as much. And like you can like very see, clearly see it when Marcus Smart plays. Like the energy in Boston is just different. Oh, like that crowd – they love him there. Yeah. And, like, he just, like, will dive after balls. And, like, maybe that's the difference is that there's just, like, a couple hustle plays that could have gone Boston's way, and this series could be 2-1 in Boston's favor. And and with game four in Boston. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, this next week, Houston, or Houston, Boston, Toronto on the line. I'd say they could it could all be done by the time we we get back to recording next week. We could be talking I hope about not, but conference finals next week. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, speaking of seasons on the line, we got Denver seasons on the line again for what feels like the fifth time in this playoffs. I mean, they're battling. They're trying. They're trying to give everyone a heart attack. <laughs> so the trying to give Nikola Jokic a heart attack. Oh out my on god! Court. Sixty-five <laughs> minutes, like. Uh, like, I always compare uh, Jokic to, like, the YMCA dad. Like, dude out of YMCA. <laughs> who's just, like, can ball. But, like, he's got all the post moves. And, like, I, I don't know how much he has left in the tank after playing 65 minutes. Also, how the heck did he play 65 minutes? Like, it's did, incredible. Did he not, like... I mean, I think he was out for three minutes. I think that was it. Holy crap. <laughs> I know. Like, it shows, like, they needed him out there, though. I mean, they they don't really have much otherwise at the big man position. And Portland pretty consistently plays a big. So they, they feel like they need to match them. Turns out you can play Canner. You can play Canner a lot of minutes, apparently. <laughs> you you can play him, what was it? We looked it up, 56 minutes? Something like that. that I mean, that's... that's like four games with him in a Thunder uniform. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. You're not wrong. And it's one of those, like, game three was the four-overtime thriller that the Blazers won, 140-137, Ryan's game of the week. In that game, though, like, it showed a lot, but also it showed in game two. With Portland, if CJ McCollum is playing and and playing like the way we think he can on a more consistent, regular basis, man, this team, if they feel like guards win games and their two best players are guards hitting shots, winning games. Man, like Damian Lillard, like Denver did a pretty good job of containing him. 24 shot, 10 of 24 uh, with 28 points and 2 of 9 from 3 in that game in 58 minutes. You have to feel really good about that. Yeah, I mean, compared... If you really think about and compare it to how he's been playing up in the playoffs up until now, yeah, you have to feel good about it. And you just hope, like, you stopped everyone else enough. Couldn't stop Rodney Hood, though. Six of eight from oh the field, gosh. two of three from three, and 19 points, and with the game winner. Who saw that coming? I don't I mean, think anybody... I, I don't think 
what, you, what was the Vegas prop bet on Rodney Hood <laughs> being the the game clenching star? I don't know. We would be probably be in a super nice podcast studio <laughs> if we would have bet on that though. <laughs> because I didn't see that coming. I mean, you're right. He was he went for like eight straight points, I think, at one point for for Portland in the overtime, like that last overtime, and it's one of those. You see Rodney Hood's value in that moment, like an unconscious shooter who is like, I got this. You see also, if you watch him throughout the regular season, why he frustrates the hell out of all the Every, coaches. Everyone else. But in that moment, you're like, this is why we got you. This is why you're a good eighth guy in the playoffs. Not a, not a starter, not a star, but a good seventh or eighth guy in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, like, you got to thank Utah's going like, what the heck? And then LeBron James is realizing that he even played with Rodney oh. Hood because he never saw the saw the floor. Even in that Toronto series when they dominated last year, he couldn't get on the floor, on, which is insane. I know, in the doghouse. And I'm sure some of that was Rodney Hood's fault too. Oh, absolutely. But it's, it's kind of the situation of like, then he wasn't featured necessarily even with Cleveland when they were bad this year. Yeah. I wonder if that was like his waking up moment of like, I'm going nowhere yeah. right now if I'm not even featured on this Cavaliers team. And so far in this series, like he's he's done well. Now, I'm not relying on Rodney Hood for any more than this. He got you this game. And from here on out though, if you're Portland, like this it's gotta be Damon CJ. Damon CJ, Damon CJ. And then for Denver, though, Denver's still in this series. Absolutely. I, I feel best about them being down 2-1 than I do any other, te- other team being down 2-1, I think. And it's just because, like, they could have easily won this game. Yeah. And they, they've been in what feels like most of these games for most of the time. It just some things don't always fall your way. And so I feel good about Denver. Denver, well, everyone else might get done in five, maybe uh, one other in six. Denver might be pushing this thing to seven again. Yeah, I, I took the Nuggets in six. I I feel like that that is unrealistic now, almost because for Denver to go win three straight. Yeah, to win three straight and two of those being in Portland. Uh, don't feel good about that. Don't yeah. feel good about that at all. But having Game 7 back in Denver, I think, is a big thing. Um, because that Denver crowd can come alive like we saw against the Spurs. Maybe. Uh, but I think, um, you know, the Spurs uh, didn't foul at the end of that Game 7. I don't think Portland's going to have that type of mental mistake I in this not. series. I I I would feel really bad as a basketball fan if Denver advanced on something like that again. You got there once. Yeah, I think you were the better team anyway. It's fine. But I don't think they're necessarily the better team. I don't think they're necessarily the worst team. Yeah. This is just a really even good series. And this is exactly what you want from... This is why, like we said, this this round is probably our favorite round is because it's just a lot of basketball all the time of really good matchups right yeah. now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting, Paul Millsap, like, I kind of forget he's on the Denver Nuggets at times, but he was Ben's really good this his, series. His value isn't necessarily in scoring. Yeah. His value is doing the everything else super well. Hustle rebounding. Yeah. Um, kind of just, like, getting those deflections, playing, being able to switch onto one of your guards and kind and of being able to keep yeah, up. Yeah. At least forcing them into mid-range shots. 
if you're getting that out of Paul Millsap, then you got to feel good about Denver and hope that either Murray can recover or, or whatever it is and your your offense saves you. Yeah. Then, which with Jokic and, and Jamal Murray, that's entirely possible that they can. It's entirely possible that they shoot you out of the game, but it's entirely possible that you keep that they keep you in a game and or that you just run away with one. Yeah. I'm looking at that box, box score of the game uh, three game, the four overtime game. I just feel like I want more from Malik Beasley and Monte Morris, like coming off the bench. Like why they not, just why need not to play. utilize your bench a little yeah. more. Yeah, especially when it's a four overtime game. Like I get that they're five minute overtime, so you don't want to necessarily spend some of those minutes like on bench guys. But I feel like those guys could really contribute more than the. I don't know, a combined 20, uh, what is it, 11 points? And Monte Moore said zero of those. Malik Beasley had every one of those 11 points. Yeah. You're, you're probably right. Maybe just a, a minute or two in one of the overtimes, just fresh legs, change of pace. Because that's what Portland ended up doing with Rodney Hood. Yeah. Is they're like, we got to put him in the game right now. Our guys are just gas, and we need something on offense to set us apart. That happened, and it worked. Maybe it's just Terry Stotts made the adjustment before. Uh, Mike Malone did. Yeah. And and that's ultimately just that little chess piece because these teams were just so deadlocked otherwise is what got Portland the win. Yeah. I mean, it's mistakes or, you know, decisions like that that can ultimately bend a series in your favor. And you feel like Portland's, like, coaching staff has more experience with this. So, like, you kind of trust Portland going with that. I do. Going into the rest of the series. And, again, game four now in Portland already up to one yeah that's scary that needs to be like that's like your your ultimate like motivation like we can not officially in this but what feels like ending this series yeah tomorrow yeah that's a great point matt we've talked a lot about the playoffs and man it's been fun but what's your game of the week series you're looking to watch the rest of this week so talked about it earlier houston at golden state this is wednesday may 8th 9 30 p.m central time so if you're willing to stay up for it stay up for it this is game five this might be the closeout game and of all the hype of all the anticipation and i predicted warriors in five that this could be like what comes to an end of it all so that's why i'm i'm sticking with my pick of warriors in five so that means they're winning game four, and then Golden State's taking game five at home, 130 to Houston's 125. It's going to be a shootout. Ooh. That's how I want this series to end. I would love that. Just like an epic duel. I don't need, like a, I don't need like a 102-98 game that's just really close, but no one can hit a shot. I don't want that. I can get enough of that with Boston. Uh, well, that's what I'm predicting my game of the week to be. Uh, 76ers at Raptors on Tuesday, uh, May 7th. That is game four, I believe, right? Nope, that's game, game five because game four is this afternoon uh, when we're recording this podcast on Sunday. So it's game five. So this could be a closeout, potential closeout game too. I think Toronto is going to squeak this out. It's at 7 p.m. Central time. Uh, I think Toronto is going to squeak this out. Raptors 102, 76ers 96. I think something's going to come back. Like the shooting for Philly is going to come back down to earth at some point. Yeah. And it, I just think the Raptors with Kawhi might just have the best player on the floor at any given time. 
gotta hope and that's gals back. And that's worth something, yeah. And you gotta hope that your second best player in the series is back playing. And you gotta hope that Marcus Gasol and Kyle Lowry play be- play better, like we talked about earlier. Um, but, it's easier to do that at home too. Yeah, um, role players generally play better on the on at home than they do on the road. Maybe Danny Green gives you like ten to fifteen points. <laughs> And you feel really good about your chances going into the fourth quarter. It's entirely possible. Um, Matt, do you have anything else you want to add before we uh, end the podcast this week? No, let's go watch some basketball. Yeah, it's basketball time. Thank you so much to, uh, for listening to the Couch GM Podcast. Remember to find us at Twitter, at NBA Couch GM Pod. Uh, you can also find us, if you haven't already, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, rate and review us there. And when- greatly appreciate that next week we might be talking about conference finals who knows this will be a fun week of basketball but we'll see you guys back next week